And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here from Golf.com, joined as always by Andrew Tursky from Golf.com and Chris McCormick from TrueSpec. Guys, we're in person. We're in person. In the studio, baby. Is this the first time that we've we've done the pod, the three of us in studio? Us three together, yeah. Well, I, I guess COVID, you know, it made, made it a little bit more difficult to try and try and get the band together. But And you live in Dallas, and we're out here in Scottsdale. So yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I'm well. kind of in Scottsdale. Yeah, you're all yeah, over the place. You're, you're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. you're definitely – well, I mean, how, how much time do you really spend in Scottsdale? Like, what percentage of the year? So we, I was talking about this to somebody the other day, and up until this week, I was less than 30 days actually in my own bed this year. And then coincidentally, we go to play golf together tomorrow, and then I jump on a plane tomorrow afternoon and go back to New York. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're playing yeah. golf tomorrow at – and this is the funny thing. So out here in <clears throat> Arizona, it's already over 100 degrees – during the the middle of the day, um, even as a Texas guy, that's pretty hot for for this time of the year. Even when the sun goes down, it'll even, still stay yeah, over it's 100. still it's still baking. <laughs> yeah. I I know, I know it is, but I I sent a text and I said, "Hey guys, what, what time are we playing tomorrow?" And Chris <laughs> fires back, 5:30. Five. Wait, are you? Sh- Hold on, that's got to be that's got to be a, a typo. 5:30 a.m. Well, I thought he was kidding at first, Ooh. and then I realized he was dead serious. Dead serious. So there's a reason. We're playing at 5.30 a.m., and it's because of the fourth in our group. We got to get into this, um, at least tease it a little bit. Who's who's our fourth, Chris? Well, coincidentally, you are here for multiple reasons. I, I am in studio. There, there is a reason why I made the trip. So tomorrow we are we are playing with my buddy, Alice Cooper. So my buddy, Alice Cooper. Buddy, I mean, who, who, it's who, true. he calls yeah. him Coop. He doesn't, doesn't call him Alice. He calls him <laughs> Coop. They're, 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 I mean, how long have you known before we were talking about this before we, it's, we've been playing golf together better part of a decade now. So it's been, it's been quite a little journey. And I was telling you guys, he was with me one of the very first times we teed it up together. I had a, had a hole in one with him and hit the tee shot. He calls it in the air. It's going in and just starts walking off the tee. Like no big deal. Takes one bounce, goes right in the cup, throws his hands up. He goes, I told you like he was expecting it. Nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary for him. And we've just kind of hit it off ever since. Tell us about you got a picture of you picture. of you and Coop. I did after and the then, ace. Now you got to sign too, right? I you have to. I mean, gotta, how do you not? You gotta. He uh, he made me buy him a diet coke after the uh, after the round. So I I bought everybody around. Just happened to be diet coke for him. Yep. And then uh, I went fanboy status. I printed out. The uh, the picture that we took on the green with the hole in one ball and you know the, the I got an ace and <laughs> take it to him the next time we play golf and he's like oh yeah and goes and signs it the ace with Alice and then you know puts a signature on it and so that's my it's my fanboy piece that I have sitting at uh, sitting at home in my office right now so that's almost awesome. ten years that's awesome <laughs> I, I mean, haven't had one since what a way to to, <laughs> to start a friendship with Alice Cooper you make an ace. I mean, that can't really script it better than that. It just solidifies the fact that Chris is one of the most interesting people in the world. He doesn't, you know but he doesn't like let off. That's the crazy. So before we even got on here, he's talking about working with Mike Trout for three years on his, <laughs> on his swing. And I'm like, wait, he just like, but he can it's, it's so some people have a knack for name dropping and they do it in a way where you can tell that they're doing it on purpose where it's like, you talk to Chris. And he's just like, yeah, I mean, 
it's he's like, just talking about his friends. Yeah, his, like, he's it, not name dropping yeah. celebrities. He's talking about his experiences. But it's still just like wild to me the names yeah. that keep. But like, his friends are up. Alice Cooper, Mike Trout, Larry Fitzgerald. You know, yeah, like, yeah. All worked, sorts of these awesome people that we all idolize. Work, you know, worked a little bit with Pujols. Yeah, yeah. Chris Carpenter, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's it it is pretty awesome. But so we were out here the day prior before we go and play golf. And we had a chance to sit down. For a, that that interview went a lot longer than I expected. Well, I think our time slot was like twenty minutes, and yeah, it was more like, like forty five. We like doubled up. We probably could have like <laughs> darn near gone for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Once I'm we started just... talking about golf, I mean, his eyes just light up, and he oh, can yeah. go for days talking about golf and all the stories. Yeah. He's a great storyteller, and he knows a bunch of people. It's all about the story. Like man. he'll casually drop an Arnold Palmer story, like oh, me and my buddy. Yeah, me and my buddy. that that was an awesome story. So I, I want to tease it because it's going to be coming in a future episode of Fully Equipped. But we do have the the lengthy sit down with Alice Cooper. One of the things, and I don't want to give too much away, but I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by the fact that he is the longest tenured Callaway staffer. He was there before anybody else, mm-hmm. and he and Ely Callaway really got on, which I am just – it's the most, like, from two, like, polar opposites. I mean, at least you think so, but mm-hmm. having talked to, to Alice, they really kind of seem to be cut from the same cloth, just kind of visionaries in, in different arenas. It was it was an awesome interview. Um, I, I can't wait, but like I said, just wanted to tease it now. I'm here. People are probably wondering – why am I in town? That's why. It's That's why, yeah. yeah not yeah. just to be in, in studio doing the podcast. It has nothing to do with us. <laughs> yeah. No, it has nothing, nothing to do, to do with you us. guys. I'm totally fine <laughs> doing that on Zoom and uh, and doing our standing uh, Zoom call every week. But, yeah, Alice Cooper, I'm pumped. I'm hoping my golf clubs are going to be here. They Yeah, a little airport issue. I, yeah. so happens. Yeah. happens to the best of us. I know man. it did. It did happen to me. My clubs were, uh, were not on the plane. So, well, it We're sounds gonna, like Alice Cooper was going to beat you anyway. Well, yeah. He hits it apparently dead straight. The human iron byron over It's there. probably going to be a lot like if you played golf with Tom Kite. Just, Which I never have. Just but. like straight down the middle. Like He's one of those guys that it's going to probably get like annoying after a while. Just <laughs> fairway after fairway after fairway. Like those guys are annoying. Like it's, I want to be like John Daly. I want to go like hit it in the shit. And try and save four. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe actually catch one clean and like hit it, you know, three under plus. But like, yeah, I don't want to hit fairway after fairway. That's not that's not any fun. He but, was talking about how he likes shaping shots around trees and hit them out of cacti and all that. Oh, it's yeah. like you're never there, so you wouldn't know what it's like. It's like let me hit the tee shots for you, <laughs> yeah. Alice, and then you'll you'll see yeah. some real positions. Yeah, then, huh? then you'll see some different parts of the course the architect didn't even. Yeah, right. It'll be fun oh, though. Man. Yeah, it was it was a like I said a truly awesome interview. Uh, had a chance to see his new teen center over in Mesa. Doing you know again, everybody knows Alice Cooper, rock legend, but he's doing a lot of really great things for the community, yep. especially here in, in Arizona. So it was really cool to, to see his new teen center that's opening up over in Mesa. But keep it locked. We're going to have the interview coming up very soon. Shortly. Yep, yep. So, all right. Got to get into some tour topics. Yes, sir. And uh, we – I don't want to say we glossed over this last week. It, I mean, it's, we kind of glossed it's over It's not it. – this isn't – so when, when I think about this, I'm thinking like – 
Bryson level glossing over. This is not like missing a club that had been out on tour for, you know, three or four months. <laughs> that was a slip up on that our was part. a little bit minor, minor slip up. This this one was was not on that level, but Roy McIlroy, he changed drivers, drivers driver heads at the and memorial. Shafts. Yep, at the memorial, Tursky got in hand photos. We we were kind of more focused on the fact that he was changing shafts. Mm-hmm. He went back to the Mitsubishi Kurokage, um, but it was also a driver head change. He went from Sim 2 to Sim 2 Max. And yeah, he we, had a Sim 2 9-degree yeah. head. He went to the Sim 2 Max 8-degree head, Yep. which I think probably had something to do why he switched lofts is because he also switched heads. Right. You would think so because with the Max, and I want Chris to kind of – discuss a little bit mm-hmm. about the differences but just like reactionary when i see that when i see less loft on a max head i'm thinking you know that max already launches high so right. for a guy like rory he doesn't need help with launch so go down and loft but what what are some of the differences for people out there that might be looking at sim 2 versus sim 2 max what what are they going to be looking for what kind of golfer would benefit from one versus the other i mean that's you kind of touched on it right there so sim 2 versus sim 2 max Max is naturally going to want to launch it a little bit higher. It's going to want to spin it a little bit more. MOI is going to be a little higher with the Sim Max, so definitely more forgiving. Guys at those speeds, forgiveness, not a bad thing. Yeah. So makes perfect sense to me that he goes from a 9-degree head down to an 8-degree head going from the Sim to the Sim Max. So with that higher launch and a little bit more spin coming out of that, that Sim 2 Max, makes sense. So, but that's going to be our, our biggest differences is forgiveness, number one, mm. and then also that higher launch and a little bit more spin coming out of that, uh, that Sim 2 Max. It, it makes me wonder if, and we, we haven't gotten any confirmation. Mm-hmm. I know Rory is usually pretty tight-lipped about gear changes, mm-hmm. but it does make me wonder, as Chris alluded to, with the Max version, a little bit more spin. I'm wondering if maybe his previous driver build was maybe a little too low spin and he's trying to kind of find because spin isn't a bad thing and we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit later on in the pod but you know if, if you get a little bit more spin if as long as it's not really high up there it can help with you know off center hits especially if you're you know if you're a guy on like the higher end of the speed spectrum like rory so sure it does make me wonder if if that's if maybe a little bit more spin kind of helps with consistency maybe not you know wild you know, dispersions. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I'm just kind of guessing here, but trying to kind of look at the build of this product and make an educated guess. What are some of like the telltale signs of, okay, this golfer is spinning it too much? So a lot of it just comes down to where that ball gets to at the apex. So how it gets to the apex and then what happens from the apex and on the landing angle. So every player, depending upon the angles that they naturally create, kind of like we were talking about with Joe last week, mm-hmm. so how you actually deliver that club through impact, the angles that you create, driver heads will do different things. So if a player has too much spin, you can expect it to do one of two things. It either starts out low and rises on you, or it will just immediately take off high, get to the apex, and then just kind of fall out of the sky. So depending upon the angle that you create, where you strike it on the face, you'll see usually one or two of those characteristics. But too much spin is just as bad as not enough. Mm-hmm. So trying to find that particular launch window with the right shaft and head combination for the player's key. Now we know the spin rates that tour players typically fall be- 
fall between. They're aiming you know, <clears throat> 2,200, 2,400, somewhere around there. But they bring it 115, 120 swing speed. For a guy who's around that, like, 92 miles per hour, 95 miles per hour, what should their, like, spin rate target be? It, again, it kind of depends on just the angles. So if they have a, a positive angle of attack versus a negative angle of attack, if they're having it left through impact, open face, shut face, I mean, generally speaking, if you're around that 2,700 to 31, 3,200 for that sub 100 mile an hour club head speed, it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But we get all of this high launch, low spin, high launch, low spin, high launch, low spin, and they beat us over the head with low spin, low spin, low spin. They do. Well, everything is becoming lower spin. The golf ball is lower spin. The drivers are lower spin. So, I mean, we get to a point to where now we're on the other end of the spectrum to where we're trying to find spin for players. And there's only a couple ways to do that. I mean, golf ball and add loft. So it, it really just kind of depends on the player characteristic that we're working with, where they fall in that, that spectrum of what is enough spin for that particular player. And then by the same token, what's too much? Is it ever something where you kind of change the shaft instead of the head? Where maybe you'll go to something a little bit more whippy that will get launch and spin up? Is that like a typical thing you see with uh, common Do you want autoflex here? <laughs> is this, is this you an said auto, that. Auto I didn't say plug? that. <laughs> the, 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 the Korea hidden technology, but sorry. <laughs> Continue. I mean, it could be. It could be. Uh, I mean, shaft is going to be more fine-tuning instrument. So, I mean, the, the biggest way to get more launch and spin is obviously in club head. So if you go to different head design that's designed to launch it higher, spin it more, if you have a player that doesn't have enough spin in a Sim 2, jumping immediately into a Sim 2 Max, keeping the loft the same, you would expect to see launch and spin go up just because of the characteristics of the head. Shaft can do a little bit, but the biggest, most dramatic changes you're going to see is head change. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it is an interesting one, but... I'm kind of glad we saved it for this week so we could go a little bit deeper on on the change. It, yep. it, but again, Rory in, in an 8-degree Sim 2 Max is – I don't think we've ever seen that that head with that with that shaft. No, he was yeah. always in the Sim 2 regular head. So Yeah. So, all right, let's switch gears from Rory. There was actually a lot of putter changes last week, um, like a crazy amount of interesting ones. And and I found myself I was as I was writing the weekly gear notes and I'm like, is this kind of excessive? But it's it's it not it's all putter. I mean, it was the it putter was, edition of it was the wall putter wall. edition of Walla Wall. Uh, the, we'll start here at the top. We we discussed John Rom. John Rom switches and we'll we got to kind of like unpack a little bit about what happened last week. I know this is a gear uh, podcast, but I just I just kind of want to get some some takes here. So but. From the gear side, Rom switches to an Odyssey Wide Hot OG Rossi S with a slant neck. Um, as we kind of discussed, sort of feels a little bit like he's trying to find the feel of that spider that he had a lot of success with. And holy crap, did he find some success? <laughs> I, I mean, the guy the guy doesn't win 1.7 million, but as I as I said in, in the gear notes, at least he's leaving knowing that he's found a putter. Absolutely and he, at, at the right. perfect time, especially going to Tory. He is firing on all cylinders right now. He would have won that event by like eight, nine, ten. You should have just like put put a hazmat suit on him. He still would have won the thing <laughs> just up six. Out. Yeah, he, he, give give him a, yeah, put him in a hazmat suit. Let him go out and play as as a single. I like he to still see that. wins. He still wins that tournament. I'm calling it. Absolutely. You could have taken all his 
Fairway Woods, his driver out, play with just a seven iron. He might have just yeah, yeah, it was, waxed the field. Still. It was it was unbelievable. So if you if you missed the the third round performance, he shoots sixty four, but he needed just fourteen putts on the on the back nine. He was burying everything. Every time I looked up, it's John Rom Cannon, a twelve footer, a fourteen footer, one from thirty. It it was an unbelievable performance. And again, he's found a putter and it's a new head, but with a insert that he had used the previous week at the PGA championship. And so again, John Rom finds a putter, but he doesn't win. And mm. I'm going to say that I, I was watching it live. I don't, I don't know if, if I know you were, you were out of pocket. Um, did you see it? Did you see it live? I was. I was. I wasn't watching it live, but I yeah. saw it shortly after on Twitter, and it was just such a heartbreaking moment. He just like drops down. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of realizing what just happened to himself in that moment, because yep. you're coming off. It's like, I'm up six. Like, let's go win this thing tomorrow. Right. You you figure it's it's done and dusted at that point. Yeah. Um, then. So here's here's my take on on all of it. I mean, everybody by now knows what happened. John Rahm was forced to withdraw after the third round mm-hmm. because he tested positive for COVID. They they ran a second test on Saturday, and it just happened that the test results came back about five minutes before they told him as he's coming off the golf course. Um, I I was blown away by the way that the whole situation was handled. Um, yeah. I, I can't believe that they told him greenside. I would have, I mean, you've got the, you know, the cameras are going to be on you. It felt a little bit like kind of one of those, like, I, I don't know, like a, almost like a gotcha moment mm-hmm. where they were trying to get a reaction. It's like, why can't you just tell him in the scores trailer away from like prying eyes? Because as, as Jim Nance and Nick Faldo talked about in the moment when you see him, double over and you see, it looks like he's crying as he's mm-hmm. walking off you th- you think of the worst i mean it's it's just where your mind goes to i just was that, i think that was the one part that floored me was kind of how it all transpired i mean i think there's there was real concern in the <clears throat> moment he has covid yeah so he could possibly give it to fans whoever he interacts with so they kind of have to get out there right away and be like put the mask on. Yeah, the scores, his fellow competitors, I mean, I, his You daddy. know, when they come off a golf course, they are they're shaking hands and yeah, giving hugs yeah. to all those sorts of people who are following along, and I think there was probably some concern in that moment. Get the mask on him immediately and let's tell him what's going on. Sure. And I mean, it has to be a mixed bag of emotion on his side. I For mean, sure. the heartbreak of having that six-shot lead and then also finding out I have something that's killed people. Like, yep. Mhm. And then uh, mind racing, who have I been in contact with, family and friends, and it, now you have to have all those conversations and phone calls, and uh, that, that had to be just heartbreaking for him to deal with on a variety of different levels. Yeah, it, it was. And I saw the shocking. take of, you know, let him play alone, let him go out at 6.30 a.m., but it's like, the this has happened. already with, has rules in place. Right, yeah, they yeah. have rules in place, they yeah. have a precedent, so. yeah. You know, if you're a player who had to withdraw in a previous tournament and then you see they let Ron play, it's like, yeah. wait a second, you just took money out of my pocket and now exactly. you're going to let him make the 1.7 mil? It's like, you got to keep it fair at least. Slippery slope. And then yeah. and they, they give you the opportunity. I mean, when, when you have, when the tour finds out that you've been in contact with somebody who's had COVID, you're a close contact, and they either tell you you can withdraw from the tournament that week 
or you can go through daily testing and it's just, it's a, it's a risk you take, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's kind of what it, what it boils down to is he, he took the risk and, and it, just the timing of it. We've talked about it. We, we all wondered like when would, it was going to happen, would, how was, bad was it going to be? When it like, happened? I kind of wondered if it, it, it was going to happen at some point. I just didn't expect it to be with a guy who shot 64, had a six shot lead mm -hmm. and he walks off and it, that, that was, it just floored me. And in, in the moment I, I couldn't believe what I was watching, but um, again, kind of like one of those like silver linings, he's got a putter. That was the one club in the bag for Rom that seemed to be eluding him. It's pretty much the only piece of equipment that he ever even switches. Like yeah. When you think about his driver, sure. his driver shaft, his irons, he's kind of played with like the yeah, same thing the, for the a while. There are traveled. a lot of constants in his bag. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Putters, putters, the one, and it, it's, it's tough. You know, you're, you're trying to find a similar feel after making the move, but it looks like he's found something. I'm really excited to see how Rom does at Tory. I think I think it's, again it's it's tough to say based off the you know one performance, but I think that I think that he's gonna he's gonna have a good week. He's in kind of a tough situation though because he has to quarantine for what 14 days now. I think they dropped. Yeah, I think I think they dropped the I, I don't think they dropped the 14. Okay. I thought it was I thought it was maybe like was it 10? Eight or ten, yeah, something like yeah. that. Okay, that's not a full two weeks. Yeah. So. so I think I think he should I think he should be good. Come. Uh, so come he'll be fully on site for the U.S. Open. No problems there as long as he obviously tests. Yeah, as negative. long as he's negative. No, no yeah. other issues. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, there's there's topic one for for the putter. This next <clears throat> one is kind of a sneaky one. I I I really liked this this nugget on Colin Morikawa. So he switches back to a long neck tailor-made tp juno and i think if you looked at the putter you're going okay it looks like his like his previous one and there were some very minor like kind of tour differences it has a stainless steel insert because he likes that firmer feel at impact um loft was actually reduced to match his new setup because he has his hands a little bit more forward um, at impact but he built this putter Using TaylorMade's my TP site, um, it's so I mean, good. Literally, it's, such a it's good like story. I mean, so if you if you have never been on to TaylorMade's website, they have a a my Sim Two where you can customize a Sim Two driver, and they have a my TP which is where you can customize a TP putter. And Colin just decided like, what kind of like how can can I spec it out? And so he basically specked out this putter that he used on the website and then reached out to TaylorMade and was like, hey, here's kind of what I came up with. What can we do using this to build me a putter? Mm. And TaylorMade told me that if you were to use the specs that he had, you could actually spec out his putter about 90% of the way. So you could almost get a fully like, like to what he's currently <sighs> playing. And, but he used, he used the TaylorMade website. I, I'm, I'm guessing he's probably one of the few staffers who's actually going to TaylorMade's website and doing that. He just like can't sleep late at night, grabs <laughs> yeah. his laptop, yeah. starts designing a putter. Like, well. I think this is going to be the one. This is it's it. just so this funny. A pro one. golfer, like he can go on the TaylorMade tour truck, get literally whatever he wants, and he's back designing it himself online. That access to some of the best fitters in, yeah. the, in the world. And I'm just going just gonna to tinker around online. Yeah, like he's he, could get, a, he yeah. could get a prototype made that's exactly <clears throat> what he wants. That's way different than anything they have in the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he had to make sure the colors were available, right? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Got to look good. That's true. Look good, and play good. 
although I'm sure people listening are going, well, I don't really care if it's 90% of the way because I now want like the stainless steel insert. Yep. Yep. <laughs> a lot too. of people are going to go on and try to replicate his exact putter for sure. So, so TaylorMade actually sent me the specs that he specced out from from the Mike TP. Okay. So I, I think we should post it on social. We're yeah, at, post on Insta. Yeah, Instagram's at Fully Equipped Golf, and we're also on Twitter at Fully Underscore Equipped. So we'll, we'll post it up there if you want to build yourself a, uh, a Colin Morikawa replica Sands stainless steel insert. But you can get almost all the way there. And we are playing with Alice Cooper tomorrow. We will be posting some videos of his swing on Instagram if you want to stay tuned to that. The, the human iron Byron. Post yeah. post videos of his swing, not my swing. Let's just put it that way. No, we're, po- yeah, we're posting yeah. yours as well. <laughs> yeah, th- those videos are going to definitely be deleted. Okay. Um, so Morikawa, Rom, the last one's interesting because this is this is a topic I feel like it's continually gaining steam in the equipment arena. Armlock. I mean, Tursky's laughing because he knows it's coming. I'm I'm serious. It's it's probably gonna take it's probably gonna take somebody winning a major or two, kind of similar to when you had Adam Scott and Keegan winning majors with the broomstick. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming, but guys are still gonna use arm lock for right now because it's legal. You you yeah. can use it, but there's um, a wave coming. There there definitely there's is. There's gonna be a lot more golfers than the PGA Tour or the USGA thinks yep. they're going to have. And so, yeah. I am in the process of testing an arm lock I right was now. just about to say, somebody in this room. Launch is, monitor data will be coming Yeah, in uh, in time. Yeah. In time. It's, uh, but I'm liking it so far. That's I what never I've heard. Thought, yeah. I never Word thought I was going to like it. Word mm-hmm. on the street is Tursky might be going to arm lock. So uh, USGA, if you're listening out there, you might want to <laughs> get going on, uh, on the new uh, – Rule banning the arm lock before Tursky starts burying everything inside. But Xander Shoffley. <laughs> so Xander switches to a super stroke Traxian wrist lock grip and, you know, has to make some minor adjustments for, for that new wrist lock grip. And, and they're nothing like crazy. So he's still using an Odyssey O works number seven. It's their CH, which is the crank hosel, the red head. You can't really miss it. Um, had to change loft by two degrees to fit the grip and the technique, which that, again, that's not anything that's, that's just for tour pros. If you're going yeah. to, to arm lock, you're going to have to adjust to account for that significant forward shaft lean that you're maintaining throughout the stroke. But I, the most interesting part about this is Xander tried it and he totally admitted, he said, it's, it's just, it's better. It's easier it's more consistent. And when he was pressed on whether he agreed with those who were using arm lock prior to him using it, he said, I am for banning the arm lock putters, but if everyone else is going to use it and I feel like they have a bigger advantage, I may as well do the same. If you can't beat them, join them. That's it. But at least he's honest enough to say it. You know, I, I think there are some tour pros and I love Xander for this is he, he's a very honest guy and I appreciate the candor, but I th- would I think if you gave the guys that are using Armlock right now a truth serum, I think a lot of them are probably using it. I mean, we we talked about it after Will Zaltoris had a great run at the Masters. You know, there were there were some guys the following week that tried Armlock simply because 
Willie Z had had a good week. And we did get to talk to uh, Willie Z in depth about arm lock. So look out for that in an upcoming interview. I won't reveal everything he said. but That was another good interview. We've, we've got, some, we've got yeah. some good interviews coming. Yeah, we got some stuff lined maybe, up. Uh, maybe uh, Victor Hovland as well. So yeah, we've we've got we've got a uh, we've got some really good interviews coming up. So keep it locked to fully equipped. But yeah, I I just again I I like the fact that he was honest about it. it. He he realizes that it it's an advantage. I mean, if you look at the numbers for guys like Webb Simpson, um, you know he was really struggling after they took away to the, say the least. Yeah, after after they took away the anchored putter, mm-hmm. and he switches to arm lock. And he's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. It, you know, we we've seen it. It happens. Guys will admit that it does give you an advantage. And I was surprised that they still left the door ajar on that one. But I do. I think it's coming. I love the move by Xander. It's just like a your move now, USGA. Let's see how you respond. Yeah, yeah. He's like doing it just to kind of get a rise. I feel like possible. You know, it's like I want this band. I agree, it should be banned, but yeah. I don't even play it. Right. Yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Again, if you can make it work and start making more putts, uh, yeah, you're gonna you're you're gonna do it until the the USGA tells you that you can't. And I guess the tour, because the tour, and at the end of the day, is the one who gets to kind of call the shots on that. But and it's not like he was a bad putter before either. You know, no, he wasn't. That was the thing. He was he was like 13th in strokes game putting before before the change. So yeah, you look at his putting stats, all, yeah. all his rankings. I mean, he's They're, top 10 in every category yeah. that matters. He's he's really he's really solid. So yeah, a lot of a lot of putter talk for uh, for this episode. The only other change that I did want to highlight is an interesting one. We've seen a couple of guys do this. Joaquin Neiman switched to a Ping G425 LSD. Worked with Kent Notes, Ping Tour up front of the pod, and he. Basically loved the launch numbers, spin checked out, everything except for the way that the driver set up to him at address. Visually, it just looked a little bit too left to him. Okay. And so what they ended up doing was they painted the score lines black to make the face look more visually square at address, and just painting the score lines black did it. I've seen that move before from like Mickelson. Keith Mitchell did it too. And Keith Mitchell yep. on okay. the the mini driver. Yeah, on the mini. Yep. Mickelson uh, painted the score lines. It's it's kind of. I don't of think a, they're painted. I think they're sharpie markered. But uh, yeah. it's. <laughs> I mean, Keith Mitchell's are definitely sharpie markered. They're, they're they're not painted. I mean, I remember doing like close ups after he after he won, at uh, at Honda, mm-hmm. and like you could definitely see they were they were sharpied, but. Um, it's an interesting one because it's like one of those gear hacks that like anybody can do. I mean, now just realize that if you sharpie marker the score lines on your driver face, <laughs> you don't. It's, you're not a tour pro. You're gonna have to probably go buy a new one if it doesn't work out for you. So, yeah, right. uh, caution, caution to those out there that might try and do that. But yeah, it, it was one of those that I thought, eh, that's uh, that's not one that you hear every day. I'm sure there are other guys that that'll do it from time to time. But Neiman's obviously a, a higher profile name. So. With that, I think that does it for for tour notes for this week. Now, I wanted I think this is going to be fun. We haven't really done like a gear 101 with Chris. <clears throat> We've got the expert in the room room Tursky and I are just the the Joes with the with He's the looking one around. Pro. We're looking at you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, the the pro over here with the two Joes. And I think it would be good to kind of do something that the Tursky had suggested, which was like a Mythbusters. Like there are lots of 
things that golfers believe. And I'm not saying like all golfers, but there are definitely some topics that I'd love Chris to discuss and to kind of bust them a little bit because just because you've heard this before from your buddy you play with doesn't mean that it's truth and get it straight from a guy that <laughs> he's laughing over here, but he's just, you know, it's true. It, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's true. Everybody is so quick to give golf yep. advice yep. on swing, on course yep. management, on equipment. And Joe and I actually talked about this in, in his interview where it's it, golf advice. If it was anything like the medical industry, there'd be a ton of cases of malpractice <laughs> <laughs> and a ton of dead golfers. Oh, it's yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to get into this so we can, uh, we can fire some of these topics away and let's, uh, Let's, let's get some of this out in the open for, uh, for the guys that are at least curious about it. Before we get to our Q&A with Chris, we want to remind you this episode is brought to you by GlobalGolf.com, your online destination for the best selection of new and pre-owned clubs, tech, apparel, bags, shoes, and more. Their industry-leading try, trade, and buy program will help you play your best for less. Test equipment, range finders, and GPS for up to two weeks with Global Golf's You Try program. Take advantage of their proprietary trade-in and get top dollar for your equipment. Higher trade-in value means more cash to upgrade. Plus, save 10% on qualifying products with promo code GOLF10. Try, trade, and buy only at globalgolf.com. Promo code GOLF10. That's G-O-L-F-T-E-N. GOLF10. So let's let's start with an, a softball here. But this is one that I hear a lot from, from rec golfers. Lower lofted drivers go further. Love that one. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of a common misconception. People come and see us all the time in the fitting environment. That uh, yeah, I play a I play an eight degree driver. I play a nine degree driver, nine five, and you hand them something that is a higher loft than they're typically accustomed to playing, and they look at you like, oh, I'm not playing this. Like, what are you doing? Do you even know who I am? And so, common misconception. A lower lofted driver does not necessarily go further. Will it give you faster ball speed? Yeah, sometimes. But when we start getting into what actually produces a longer drive, and that comes to finding that combination of carry with a landing angle that produces the maximum amount of roll prop or possible. So if you get into a 9-degree lofted driver and you hit it, let's just say at 100 miles an hour and you get to that 150 miles an hour of ball speed, but you're only hitting it 70 feet off the ground, 60 feet off the ground, and your landing angle is coming in at 28, 29, 30 degrees, what have you, depending upon the other angles you create, you're leaving so much yardage out on the table. And people will come in and say that you know, I, I get most of my 260, 70 yard drive from roll that I get on the ground. And I always kind of combat that a little bit with, well, what we play out on the golf course is always a constant changing variable. What we land in is, is never the same. Right. So could be firm one day, could go to a different golf course, and now you're landing into upslopes, and that 270-yard drive now turns into 210 because you hit it knuckle high with no spin, and you got nothing out of it once it hit the rough, once it hit – you know, pine straw, once it, so on and so forth, whatever it is that we're landing in that's anything but firm, fast fairways. So finding the right lofted driver that gives you the correct launch, gives you enough spin, produces an apex height that still keeps us in that realm of a landing angle that gives us roll, 
you can sometimes get a 12 plus degree lofted driver that will outperform a nine degree lofted driver with slower ball speed. So you might drop a couple miles an hour of ball speed, but because we've optimized launch, apex height, landing angle, and spin, you get further carry, better control, and more often than not, the average length drive is longer. What about people that say, if I wanna, if I wanna gain more distance, the, an easy way to do it is just to go with a longer driver shaft. Just, just increase the length. You know, we, we saw, I mean, Phil Mickelson did it with some success. I mean, he won a PGA championship, but sure. I mean, most golfers out there are not Phil Mickelson, uh, <laughs> but they, they, do, they do. I think some think it's like, oh, if I just go with a longer shaft, I'm just going to gain more speed and, and that's going to gain distance in the long run. Sure. And I mean, for some people that might be true. I mean, the majority of us, it's not because now you start to bring in a couple of different variables. So the shaft is gonna start reacting different because we are not only gaining static weight, we're also gaining swing weight, which is gonna influence how that shaft is, is responding through the swing. Also dispersion around the face at impact is going to go, for most, most people, gonna go away a little bit. We're gonna lose some consistency as far as finding the center of that club face. So now we gravitate further away from center, we start to lose ball speed. And then you also bring into that, uh, that equation club face awareness. Are you going to be able to take that 47, 48 inch driver shaft no. and get that? It's no, tough. And get Can that confirm. Club face Can back confirm. To square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So even though you're generating potentially more club head speed, now you've actually lost ball speed because of the consistency in which you're finding the center of the face. And then you also lose control of the consistency in the club face, and now dispersion downrange goes up. So even though you're producing more club head speed, you may lose ball speed, and more often than not, you're going to increase the cone of dispersion as it goes downrange. Oh, and then uh, that doesn't even start touching on the fact of what it does dynamically to your swing. So a lot, a lot, <laughs> exactly. So we talked a little bit about the the static weight and the swing weight going up with those longer shafts, mm -hmm. but adding that longer golf club into play now starts to mess dynamically with how the body's moving through impact. And you get that longer golf shaft and that swing gets longer. And now just the timing, the sequencing, the motion in which the body's actually moving throughout the swing all starts to change too. So now you're building that swing for that longer shaft around just compensation after compensation. But when you time it up, hey, maybe it's great. Yeah. Uh, consistency yeah. wise, I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. The consistency. It's it's like for every one ball that you catch relatively clean, you're probably catching at least like the next six, seven, eight balls. I mean, I, I and you probably had a similar experience. It's just it's so frustrating because you look at it and it feels like a sledgehammer for one. Mm -hmm. We didn't we didn't have ours built to spec because our, we we're basically using st standard heads. I mean, I wasn't removing weights out of mine to try and lighten it up and you know try and get swing weight closer to what i had been playing but man it feels like a sledgehammer the one interesting thing that i will say and i, I wonder if you notice this as well but after i hit a whole bunch of like 48 inch driver like drives i tried hitting my like gamer and it felt like a toothpick in my hands but it actually was kind of cool because you feel like you're hitting it's almost like a seven iron yeah, oh, yeah. it feels and like a pitching wedge and i was like bombing it 
for like the first 10 balls before I kind of started getting acclimated to the to the shorter length again. But for the fir- like 10 balls, I was like, geez, this is amazing. Like, should sure. I warm up with like a 48 inch driver just to kind of gain a little bit of confidence on the range? It was weird. I don't know if you noticed the same thing. And like you said, with the swing, it felt like I had to be so much flatter. Like I'm not sure. as oh, yeah. on top of the ball. I'm so far away from it. That three inches really makes a difference. When you're going Feels from like 45 to 48, <laughs> it's like, you know, I got a fishing rod in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. That was or perfect. a telephone pole. Or a telephone. Yeah, more <laughs> like a telephone pole, really, because of how heavy it was. But um, I'm wondering about what you would say to the two myths, or maybe they're not myths. One being the golf head doesn't matter, and the second being the shaft doesn't matter. So there's kind of two on each side, two opposing arguments. It, it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to a shaft manufacturer, it's all shaft. If you talk to a head manufacturer, it's all club head. That's the problem. So, that's so we never get the real it. truth. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I would say that both are important. It depends on what you're trying to do as a player. So if you are trying to fine-tune, you've already found a club head that you love the look, sound, feel of, ball speed's good, and you're just trying to get a little bit more consistency out of it, much easier to make a shaft change and make a bend profile change, make a weight change, uh, whatever the case may be. I mean, even tinker with length a little bit. Uh, If you are struggling out on the golf course with, uh, like we touched on, not enough spin, too much spin, directional issues, finding the center of the club face, the head change is going to be the fastest and the easiest change to make in order to make some really big dynamic improvements. So if you are somebody that... struggles consistently with a right miss. There's certain club heads out there that are going to promote more of a fade bias ball flight. So why would we try and get that club head to work with shaft? Same thing if you're somebody that consistently misses it to the left. There are certain club heads out there that have some bias towards the left side of the golf course for a right-handed player. We can sit there and grind on shaft for hours and not necessarily change the characteristics of what that head's designed to do. So the easiest dynamic change to make or static change to make is going to be switch the club head. So find a head that matches what it is that the objective of the player is and then also what their strike location is and objectively what it is they're trying to get out of that particular club. I mean, I don't want to put a draw bias head into a player's hands that struggles with a left miss. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just not going to get us anywhere. And same thing, I don't want to put something that is... I know going to favor the right side of the golf course and put it into a slicer's hands. It just, it doesn't make sense. And we can do the same thing with spin. We can do the same thing with launch. There's just club heads out there that have their own characteristics that are going to complement different player types. So I would say they're equally important, but the biggest factor that's going to make the most dramatic change is club head. If you're working with, say, a tour player on the range and you're noticing their six iron might be flying a little funky, whatever it is, maybe it's spin or direction, mm-hmm. what's kind of your first thought as a fitter? Like, okay, we need to change the shaft. We need to change a face angle or, you know, whatever the case is. Kind of where does your brain go first when you see kind of a funky ball play? I mean, typically with the tour guys, it's, it's minute changes. So, I mean, if I'm working with a tour player and you start kind of going through Q&A and you find out that, okay, this player has been with this exact same shaft for a better part of a decade or a significant amount of time, then you usually don't necessarily focus too much on shaft. That part hasn't really changed. If they're making a change to 
a different type of club head, looking for something different. And you're going to start looking there, but lie angle is going to be really important. So how the player's you know, turf interaction is, how that club head is physically getting through the turf. So depending upon if they're hitting it high on the face, towards the toe, towards the heel, you can make a lot of changes just with adjusting the static lie of the golf club. So directionally, if you're noticing good solid contact, but it's starting one direction or another compared to their intended target line, sometimes just making a quick lie adjustment will fix that immediately. And same thing, adding a little bit of loft or taking a little bit of loft away will adjust their launch window to get it right back to where they want it to and also adjust their spin. So if they get a new set of irons and that new six iron, we'll say, is going just a little further than what their stock six iron usually goes, a quick bump in the loft will we'll usually dial that back in, get them right back into that launch window they like to see, producing the spin numbers that they're used to, and get them right back to where they're comfortable. Now, what are some of the club building rules when you say maybe you change lie angle by one degree, loft by a degree? What are the other things that happen within the club head that change when those things change because they don't happen just by themselves? No, they, they definitely don't. So, I mean, as you start to flatten out a golf club, effectively, it starts to get a little bit longer. Uh, you're also going to move CG slightly a little bit. Uh, you're going to change face angle a touch. And, I mean, conversely, if you start to go upright, then club starts to get a little bit shorter, starts to make it a little bit more draw bias. Again, move CG closer towards the hosel. Toe might have a tendency to release a little faster. So there's a couple of different things that you can do. I mean, more often than not, if you go and flatten a golf club out, you'll see it start usually a little bit more right of the target if the player's natural lie angle at impact is already a little little more neutral. Um, if they're already digging the toe and you go flatter, now all of a sudden we've taken the left side of the golf course out of play, ball starts to launch a little higher, spin goes up. So a couple of different things you can do just with making some static changes to lie angle and loft. I feel like we could just keep going down this rabbit hole. I, I, I think we should kind of make this like a standing segment. I like it. I, lo I love it. And this is, these are all questions, again, that that average golfers have. Um, we, we try and answer them on the site, but it's kind of different when you've got the expert in the room who can just fire off some truthful answers. It always hits this. different when you can just ask him. He gives you a great answer. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you want to know? Yeah, I know. I know. I, w I wish I could do that. I usually have to, uh, yeah, I have to go ask somebody far smarter than me. Yeah. So usually this guy. Yeah. We're uh, just journalists. Yeah. You know? I know. I know. <laughs> just, just, just writing hacks. That's, that's all, that's all we're good for is to just crank out copy. But um, yeah, I, I do. I think we should make this a standing segment and just kind of get into a couple of these topics every week. Yeah. And I think if anyone has, questions kind of in this vein hit For us sure. up on instagram and the dms uh we do check those so Pro probably then. should check them a little bit more frequently <laughs> I, I i saw they were starting to, to pile up, starting a little to pile bit. up apologies we, we we will do a much better job of checking them yeah um, that's our promise going yeah, forward we'll, yeah. we'll keep checking them and hit us, with, uh, so. hit us with some questions for chris yeah don't <laughs> try to dm him he doesn't have one he doesn't Twitter lists and Instagram lists, Chris. I'm still yeah. still living in yeah. Facebook. I might have a MySpace floating around out there. Somewhere. Oh man, we got to we got to find that. Uh, but I, I want to know what your MySpace <laughs> song was on your page. Oh, I, I changed it. I was, I was an angry teenager. Imagine if it was Alice Cooper. Ooh, that would that would be I, full circle. 
It's the entirely possible. I, I, schools I out for the summer. Exactly. Might have had a little schools out on there. Schools know. out for the summer. Golf's in for the summer. Ooh. Indeed. Okay. Golf's always in, man. At least, at least here it is. I mean, you can play golf year-round in Arizona, which is always great. Although I can't complain. Texas is getting – it's pretty close, although the winter is a little bit brutal. But If you don't mind the heat. Yeah, I know. If you don't mind the heat. It's a dry heat here. Or, or 530 tea times. It's or, still hot. Yeah, well, I, man, it's going to be as, – as Alice was leaving, he's like, he's like, I mean, we're playing at 530. I was like, yeah. He's like, you could probably go to bed right about now. <laughs> I was like thinking, I'm like, yeah, you probably could get, get, a, get a good night's rest. But I'm pumped. We'll uh, do the full debrief on the round for next week's episode and uh, look forward to deploying that interview. But, again, we've got some good ones. Alice Cooper, Victor Hovland, Will Zalatoris, a lot of good content coming. So, as always, thank you for listening. This is episode 94, Fully Equipped. Getting close to 100. 94. I know. I know. So, as usual, if you want to get more gear news from us, you can also check us out on social media. We are at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at fully underscore equipped on Twitter. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you around.